Well, good morning. My name is Ryan Brown, and I have the wonderful privilege as serving here at Graceland as a student ministries pastor. And so um, I take it to be a great honor to be able to open God's word for you today and just to share a little bit. Um, we got a lot of cool stuff that's happening here in the life of our church. And uh, I just want to tell you a little bit about one that's happening this Wednesday. So as a student ministries pastor, uh, we kick off our Wednesday nights. And I just absolutely love our student programming on Wednesdays. So if you're a student and you've never been before, you should really come check it out. But in addition to that, like Pastor Ray said, for our children, we're kicking off Awana. So if you've never heard of that, you need to check that out for your kids. But then for our adults, adults, we have Life University. All right, it's a great opportunity for you to grow, to find community. And so I would love to invite you. And I know Pastor Ray wants you to join us this Wednesday. And we're going to meet right here to kick things off. So we're going to have some worship. And then he's going to be praying for our country, for our community, and for our church. So please mark that on your calendar. And I would love to see you on Wednesday. And then before we jump in uh, this morning, uh, let's bow to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father God, I just, I thank you so much this morning for your goodness and I thank you for your truth as we open your word today may you speak may you speak in a, a very mighty way may you speak in a, a very practical way may you challenge us may you encourage us and most importantly may you draw us ever closer to your son Jesus for it's in his name that we pray amen all right, so this past May, I celebrated two anniversaries. Now, one of them was my wedding anniversary. So all guys, you should know your wedding anniversary. So mine is May 15th, 2004. And yes, I know what you're thinking. He's been married 13 years, and no, I am not 12, okay? So I'm a little bit older than that. But the other, the other anniversary that I celebrated was four years. This past May, I celebrated four years serving full-time here as a student ministries pastor. And so I'm just really thankful, like I said, for that. Okay, yeah. But I was thinking back to the very first time that I actually led worship on this stage. So uh, I was asked to be the student ministries pastor. And with that, I would lead worship for our students. And I absolutely love doing that. But I soon found out that leading worship in students also meant that you're the backup guy um, for, for worship up here on stage. And so it wasn't too long before I was asked to lead worship. And it made me a little bit nervous because leading worship for students is quite different than, than leading worship for everyone in here. And so I prepared like crazy. You know, I had a lot of rehearsal, memorized all my chord charts, memorized the lyrics, transitions, roadmaps, everything I could think of to be ready to lead worship. But um, we had a great rehearsal coming up to this Sunday, and we had a good sound check that Sunday morning. And all that to say, that made me really nervous. Because I'm like, okay, everything's going well. What's going to happen Sunday that I'm not going to be prepared for? Well, we had our service, and things seemed to go really well. And so I kind of let my guard down after the worship set was over. All the lights came, came down, and I was supposed to leave the stage. Now, I had never actually left the stage through these back two doors right here. I'd only been on and off stage through these two side doors. Now, these go out into the hallways, but these back two doors, they go back into our choir room. So I, I didn't really know how that worked. So the lights were off. Um, I, I tried to follow some people, but in all reality, I was just looking down, kind of looking down at my own feet, just excited that things had gone well. And so I, I turn and go out this door right here, go out, and I make a hard right, and boom, I just smash my head right into the wall, all right? 
I know, I know people out here had to have heard a large thump. Nobody said anything to me, but I know people heard it. Um, but I realized it really wasn't the dark that made me run into that wall. It really wasn't the fact that I was um, not paying attention. It was the fact that I was looking down. I was looking down. There were people that had exited in front of me. If I just kept my head up and looked at them, I probably wouldn't have ran into that wall. Now this morning, I know that many of you feel like that you're probably looking down and running into walls all the time. Now, I'm not talking about in a physical sense. Maybe for you, you're looking down this morning because of shame. Maybe you've done something to hurt somebody. Maybe you walked away and left when you shouldn't have, and you feel this kind of shame, and so it's causing you to look down. Maybe even you walked in this morning, and you're looking down, hoping that no one will notice, no one will come and talk to you. Or maybe for you, it's, it's a sense of pride. Oftentimes when we look down in pride, we're looking down our nose at, at other people. We're wanting to kind of stay isolated. Maybe someone has hurt you, and so you just want to keep everybody at bay. Or maybe for you, you're looking down just as an escape. You kind of put that tunnel vision on, you know, and you're, you're not really wanting to deal with anything. You just want to ignore everything, all the trials, all the, the circumstances that you're facing in life. This morning, we continue our preaching series called I Quit. And so if you have your Bible with you, I'd, I'd encourage you to go ahead and open up to Acts chapter 9. We're going to be getting in uh, verse 20, and I'll be reading from the NIV translation, which should match the translation that you have right there in the pew in front of you. And so if you do not have a Bible with you and you don't own a Bible, we say this every week, but we would love for you to take that Bible home. Take it home as a free gift from us. Or maybe you've got your smartphone or your, your uh, iPhone or anything, your tablet. Go ahead and open up to Acts chapter 9, verse 20. And while you're flipping there, let me just give you a little bit of a snapshot as to where we are in this series. So two weeks ago, Pastor Ray, he kicked off this I Quit series, and we looked at chapter 8. Now this is the account of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And Pastor Ray, he encouraged us to say, I quit wasting opportunities. If you look at Philip, you know that he did just that. He followed after the Lord. He went and he found this man, this Ethiopian eunuch, reading from Isaiah. He went up to the man and asked him if he knew what he was reading. And of course, this man didn't know. And he led him to the Lord. And then Scripture tells us that he went on to baptize him. And so Philip, he sure didn't waste opportunities. And then last week, we jumped into chapter 9 and looked at the conversion account of the Apostle Paul. This is one of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture. You know, this, the Apostle Paul, this was the same man who used his voice to verbally abuse, to look down upon Christians. And then he turned around and used that very same voice to ring out across the region. This was the same man whose hands were there to hold the garments of the people who were looking down at other Christians and executing other Christians. The same man, he used his hands to pen some of the very letters that we have in our Bible. The same man whose heart was dead set on eradicating the followers of Jesus Christ. This is the same man whose heart bled and broke for anyone who didn't know Jesus Christ. As we unpack our text this morning, as we look to the latter half of chapter 9 and continue the account of Paul, I, I want to I show you how Paul said, I quit. He said, I quit once more. But this time he said, I quit looking down. 
I quit looking down. And I want to tell you today that you too can say, I quit looking down, no matter where you find yourself in relationship to Jesus this morning. So rather than looking down, I want to give you three simple places that you can look to where you can turn your eyes. And the first one is to look up. I would encourage you to look up. So let's read in Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 20. Luke writes, At once, at once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on, on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Now, there's a story about a man who was riding on a train, all right? And this man, he was looking outside of the windows. And every time he would see something new, he would look out and he'd be like, he'd point and say, isn't that amazing? And then he'd go maybe to the other side of the train, look out the other window and say, isn't that beautiful? And then he started looking inside the train car, looking at the seat and just saying, isn't that wonderful? Looking down, like even just the most small things like the wood on the seat, and he'd say, isn't that incredible? Now, one of the men who was there with him, he was kind of getting tired of how happy this guy was, and he was tired of all the drama. And so he, he, he asked him, and he said to him, he said, I don't mean to be rude. And side point real quick, my wife always says, if you start a sentence with, I don't mean to be rude, you probably shouldn't say it, okay? But he says, I don't mean to be rude, but why are you so happy? Why all the drama? This man told him, he said, well, I've just come back from the best surgery you could imagine. I now have sight for the first time. See, I grew up with no sight. I was blind until today. And so everything that I see is just amazing. Everything that I see is awesome. Everything I see is wonderful. He didn't care who heard about it. You see, God, when you come to saving faith in Jesus Christ like Paul did, God gives sight to the spiritually blind. And with that sight, we must not look down. We need to look up to him, turn our eyes to the Lord. One reason that people, people often will look down is because they're filled with shame. They're just filled with shame. Now, I've got a dog named Nala. Do I have any dog owners, dog lovers? Okay, you're usually either a dog or a cat person, but I'm a dog person, and we've had Nala now for 11 years, and she's a great dog. Um, she's very well behaved, but just like all dogs, she, she messes up sometimes, especially when they're puppies. They tend to do some things they shouldn't do. Well, when Jenny and I, my, my wife, when we were living in Nashville, we had our very first apartment down there, I came home and I saw one of the things that Nala should not have done. All right, so I walk into the living room, and the first thing I notice is that the bathroom rug is in the living room. All right, that's the first thing. Second thing I notice is that the bathroom rug is in several pieces, all right, just scattered all across our living room. That's the second thing. And the third thing I notice is that Nala didn't come to greet me this day. Every day she would come up, get super excited, just want me to pet her and to be with her. And so I looked around everywhere. I went to the bathroom where the rug used to be. She wasn't there. And then finally I went to our bedroom and I, I turned the corner. And there she was sitting in the corner with her head down. You guys know the look of your dog, right? And just like dogs, we too, we tend to look down when we're filled with shame. 
And if anyone had a reason to look down, it was Paul. You know, once he came to the saving faith in Jesus Christ, once he actually realized all the terrible things that he had done, he could have chosen to sit back and be like, I'm so undeserving and been shameful for all that he had done and just sat back. But what does Scripture say? Nothing even close to that. Let's look back. Look at verse 20. It says, At once, at once he began preaching in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Looking down to verse 22, it says, He became more and more powerful, and he proved that Jesus was the Messiah. Psalm, Psalmist David, he wrote in Psalm 121, he said this. He said, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Do you find yourself looking down this morning because of something you've done in your past? Some sort of thing that just had brought about shame? Do, do, you, do you see yourself as Paul did, like the worst of all sinners? It says later in Scripture that Paul called himself the greatest of all sinners. Well, if this is you, if you, if you find that shame, we need to lay it before Jesus Christ this morning. Lay it down at the foot of his cross, and then you'll be able to say, I quit looking down. And you can look up to him, the maker of heaven and earth, where your help comes from. So the first thing we need to do is to look up in order to say, I quit looking down. The second thing is this. We need to look around. We need to look around. Let's pick up in verse 23. It says, after many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. Verse 26. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the disciples. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and he debated with the Hellenistic Jews and they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Another reason so often that people look down is because of their pride. You know, you'll, you'll look down uh, it's your nose at someone. In fact, um, I have a tendency for pride just because I don't want to let anyone in. I want to deal with my problems on my own. Can you relate? Pride is such a, a tough thing to deal with. Anybody, anybody been watching the Little League World Series? Any Little League? Just a few. Okay, well, I'm a big fan of the Little League World Series, and I don't really watch a lot of baseball, but for some reason, just seeing those kids out there giving it their all, it just really captivates my heart. But I was watching the regionals that led up to the, to the World Series, and I saw this piece about a man named Lloyd McClendon. Some of you may know who this man is. Uh, Lloyd McClendon, he was a little leaguer and played in the Little League World Series in 1971. So him and his team from Gary, Indiana, they made it all the way through the U.S. side of the bracket, just destroying teams. Um, but they came to face the team from Taiwan and the international side of the bracket in the finals. Now, Taiwan was a, a huge favorite, but the U.S. had Lloyd McClendon. Lloyd McClendon, he had hit four, four consecutive home runs leading up to his time uh, to play Taiwan, and he hadn't gotten out the entire time leading up 
So they asked the, the Taiwan coach before the game, they said, what are you going to do when Lloyd McClendon comes up to bat? They said, well, we have too much honor. We're going to pitch to him. All right. And so the first time Lloyd McClendon comes up, they pitch to him, and he hits his, another home run. So it was his fifth consecutive home run. Next time they came up, I don't know if the Taiwanese team lost their honor or whatever, but they walked him the rest of the time. But in addition to being a great hitter, Lloyd McClendon, he also pitched that entire game. And in 1971, they didn't have a pitch limit. And so he had pitched well over 100 pitches. And in fact, the game had gone to extra innings. So now they were in the ninth inning. Lloyd McClendon is still pitching. Unfortunately, the Taiwanese team, they broke through and they scored a few runs. And Lloyd McClendon, he just broke down on the pitcher's mound. He started crying, sobbing. And the coach came, helped him off, took him to the dugout, set him down. And Lloyd McClendon just put his hands over his face and just began to sob. But what happened next was, is his teammates, they came up to him and said, Look up, Lloyd. You played awesome, man. His coach came up to him and said, Look up. Don't put your head down. You played great. His dad came into the dugout and said, Son, I'm proud of you. Look up. Don't put your head down. Now in this, in this piece, Lloyd McClendon, he said that was a huge turning point in his life. The pride in him, he wanted to just sit there and sulk and to not listen to anything anybody else had to said, say around him. But instead, he listened to his friends. He listened to his coach. He listened to his dad. And because of that, he said it was a turning point in his life. Lloyd McClendon went on to be a professional baseball player. He went on to coach in the major leagues. And he said it was all from that moment that his life turned around. It's so easy. It's so easy for us to be prideful. It's so easy for us to keep our heads looking down and to want to do it all alone. But Paul, he's the perfect example here of someone who used to look down in pride upon everyone. As we read throughout Scripture, especially in chapter 8, we see him looking down upon Christians. He was what you would call an egomaniac. He looked down his nose at people. And in the verses we just read, beginning in verse 23, and I find this kind of funny, but it says, after many days had gone by. And so Dr. Luke here, he's saying, after many days had gone by. It was really three years. Um, Paul had gone to Arabia for three years and then had come back. But after those three years, the people that Paul was executing Christians alongside of, now they're turning on Paul, wanting to kill him. And Paul could have stood up in his pride, but what does Paul do instead? He looks around, says the followers that he had with him were the ones that helped him escape through the basket. And then he goes on to Jerusalem there to, to find Peter, and then none of the disciples, none of the followers actually want to let Paul in. They think that he's still trying to hurt them. But who steps in? Again, it's not Paul. He has to look around, and it's Barnabas. Barnabas who steps in. He's the one who gets Paul inside the group and begins encouraging everyone. He encourages Paul. But as we learn in, later, too, in Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas, they become the greatest missionary team in all of history. They go around, they set up churches all over the place, many of which we read about in the New Testament. And then finally, uh, down in verse 30, again, we see that they tried to kill him once more. And it wasn't Paul who learned of this. It was now the believers. And they helped him escape, helped him escape to Caesarea and then off to Tarsus. 
we've got to humble ourselves, just like Paul did, and not try to do it alone. We've got to humble ourselves and look to other believers. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 5 says this. It says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives strength to, gives grace to the humble. So let me ask you this morning, are you looking down? Are you looking down this morning in pride, not wanting anyone to step in and give you some help? Does pride get in the way of you having some Christ-centered relationships? Are you still holding a grudge against someone? But maybe for you even, you've experienced the love and the grace of Jesus Christ, and you've gotten rid of your pride. But are you looking around to see other people looking up and looking around? Do they see you, and are they coming to you like Paul needed Barnabas? Can you be Barnabas in their life? Maybe this morning, though, God is just calling you to repent, to give up that pride, and to quit looking down. So in order to quit looking down, we need to give up our shame, give up our pride, look up, look around. And the final thing we need to do is to look inside. Let's keep reading. Picking up in verse 31. It says, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It increased in numbers. Another reason that people often will look down in their lives is because they just want to ignore all the stuff that's happening. They want to escape what's going on in their circumstance or in their situations. You look down to escape your troubles. You just want to numb the anxiety that you have in life. When you are living in sin, you tend to look outside rather than looking inside. You look to the world to help you with your problems, to help you with your troubles. To find satisfaction, we look to sex. To find purpose, we look to our work. To find peace, we look to alcohol or drugs or medication. The famous theologian C.S. Lewis, he had this to say in regard to the recognition of sin and how often people will, will ignore what it is that's going on around them and how God is using them or wanting to use them for his kingdom. He says this. He says, When a man is getting better, he understands more and more clearly the evil that is still left in him. When a man is getting worse, he understands his own badness less and less. A moderately bad man knows he is not very good. A thoroughly bad man thinks he is all right. So this is common sense, really. You understand sleep when you are awake, not while you are sleeping. You can see mistakes in arithmetic when your mind is working properly. While you are making them, you cannot see them. You can understand the nature of drunkenness when you are sober, not when you are drunk. Good people know about both good and evil. Bad people do not know about either. So often, that's what we find when we're living in sin. We, we just want to ignore everything. And we don't know that we're asleep until we've been awakened. But what we see here in the early church and what they were able to experience was peace. And they were strengthened because they, they didn't look 
to the things of the world. They looked inside to the Holy Spirit that had been given to them in Acts chapter 2. And when we, too, walk in the Spirit, we receive strength. We receive peace to deal with situations. And through this, verse 31, the end there, it says they increased in numbers. How does this happen? How do we, too, increase in numbers? How do we have every seat in here filled on a Sunday morning? Well, Pastor John MacArthur, he has something interesting to say about this. He says, people say to me, how do you build a church? Pastor John, he says this back. He says, you don't build a church. You build a believer, and then the church will build itself. So there it is. First, edify. What kind of growth is that? Spiritual. Then, multiply. What kind of growth is that? Numerical. This is what we see here in Acts chapter 9. This is what we see all across the whole uh, book of Acts. We see individual believers being built up by the Holy Spirit and then people coming alongside them to do that. This is what we desire here at Graceland Baptist Church. We want to see disciples make disciples. We want to transform the lives of people through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that God is doing that in our very midst. I do. But we've got to trust in Him and not put our faith in the things of this world. So where do you find yourself this morning? Where do you find yourself this morning? Are you looking down because of your situation? Are you looking to the things of the, this world, to the vices that just grab a hold of you and cause you to look down further and further? Are you looking inside to the Holy Spirit? Do you find yourself wanting to medicate and escape are you ignoring the knocking that God is having at the door of your heart? Maybe this morning God is calling you to give up trying to do it alone and rest in the Holy Spirit. There was a time in my life when I really, really struggled with this. When I was in high school, I, I was the kicker for the football team. So I started doing that when I was a sophomore, and I had some really good seasons. My sophomore and junior year, it was, it was really great. In fact, I had a few colleges that were coming to look at me, and, and I was super uh, jazzed about that. But then the, the summer before my senior year, I injured my right leg. And if you know anything about kicking, that's kind of important. And so I, I injured my right leg, and, and through this, I kind of had a tailspin, all right? I, I began to experience shame because I had placed all these expectations upon myself. I was looking down. I began to experience pride because I didn't want anybody else to know what I was going through. And then I just, I didn't want to deal with all the things associated with it. So I just tried to escape. And I found myself further and further from the Holy Spirit, further and further from walking in step with Him. And I really don't think it was until the summer after my freshman year of college that I got back in line with him. I believe that God placed my, my, now, my wife Jenny in my life at that time. We knew each other growing up, but we didn't start dating until that summer. And it was from that point that I stopped looking down. And I looked up and I knew that I had to be a man of faith if I was going to lead in that relationship. And then we got engaged and I knew I had to be a man of faith it was if I was going to be the leader in my household. And then we had a daughter, and I had to really look up to God for strength 
in order to, to lead my family. And I also believe that God had ordained all of that to happen so that I would be standing here before you today as a pastor. If, you see, if I would have went on to play college football, I don't think that Jenny and I would have gotten together the summer before my freshman year. I don't think that I would have stepped up and looked up to him for strength if that would have happened. You see, after, after Paul encountered Jesus Christ and that road to Damascus, we see here that he was blind for three days. Blind for three days. And in verse 18 of chapter 9, just a few verses before what we read today, he, it says this. It says, something like scales fell, fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He could see again. It said earlier that God gives sight to the spiritually blind. What are we doing with that sight? Are we looking down in shame? Are we looking down because of our pride? Are we looking down just trying to escape and just make it through life? Are we looking up to him, the maker of heaven and earth? Are we looking around to other believers in order to find strength and find direction? And are we looking inside to the Holy Spirit for guidance? Because he will build this church. He will. And I believe that God wants to do it right here through Graceland Baptist Church in southern Indiana and around the world, one believer at a time.